Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Thanks to Clay Patton filling in for me yesterday as I had the great opportunity to speak to the Nebraska lead class that um, had their media day taking place at UNK. So thanks, Clay, for filling in. Much appreciated. Unfortunately, I come back to a interesting day shall we put it that way a lot of red on the screen a lot of negativity a lot of influence that we're seeing on the market that we're going to talk about including what's going on with the crude and the dollar of course south american weather will always be a topic that we have but what's going on is it a macro correction day that is where we are going to start as heather ramsey joins us with the arc group and let's talk about that is it a macro correction type of day uh you know it kind of feels that way when you start looking at what's like changing the direction here on commodities today you kind of got to look for both the chart-based technical influence as well as in some macro influence going on it's it's honestly been and it's just interesting i guess is the right word for it you know at one point we have january soybeans up about 15 cents overnight they had been down about eight today they're up 15 and actually we're going to close down about a penny um when we did see them go down five to six um during the day trade as well so soybeans have just been all over the place i think if you look at what a, the primary headline is on weather that takes us one direction and if you look at the surrounding headlines where we've got you know crude oil down significantly soybean oil is down significantly um we're seeing pressure uh because the dollar is up and um, that's putting pressure on you know export capabilities of corn and wheat especially that's kind of dragging soybeans down with it so we see the the close kind of come in and corn and wheat end up sort of winning the direction of the day corn closes down about eight to nine wheat kansas city wheat closing off between 10 and 11 cents and just an overall drag um we haven't been able to break through some key chart-based um resistance for corn and wheat we see that as a as a negative the market kind of trades lower than off of that resistance level and then that just drags kind of turns around and drags soybeans with it which is interesting because like i mentioned the primary headline right now is actually weather in brazil and it's just drastic opposites versus the north and the south and neither opposite is good (laughs) we're just extremely dry in the north and then we're flooding we're flooding out places in the south so interesting to see the negativity win today i will say this may be a good healthy sign for the soybean market we did have um i think we strung together three or four positive moves on soybeans between last week and this week so this could be just a really nice a really healthy kind of you know breather on the soybean market before we see that weather market really take over and really make the trade move um just a lot of uh uncertainty around will the fund managers get behind that headline and if they get behind that headline and soybeans will they get behind that headline and support corn they would have to exit a large amount of shorts um to really kind of change their tune in the corn market from a fund manager standpoint well i know that you have have enough contacts globally what are you hearing about for example how dry those pockets are in south america oh it is uh you know i I feel bad for them because I feel like they're getting a second round of issues the way that we got a second year in a row of dry issues. Um, There's some real serious concerns over germination at this point. Um, The place that is struggling the most with drought is the place that has the least amount of irrigation in Brazil. So that's the northern portions of Brazil, Mato Grosso area, Um, not a lot of irrigation. 
And so there's a lot of concern over, you know, will we even see proper germination? Uh, there's also in the South, then the South is kind of your more traditional, more, um, more long-term agricultural area in Brazil. They've been around a long time. They've been farming a long time, 40, 50 years now. That's been that that has been um, production agriculture kind of hub in the south and you know they're super super wet they've been flooding out off and on here for weeks um, and there's just really no change to the weather pattern unfortunately there's no rain in sight for the north and there's no dryness in sight for the south which is kind of uh, sad to think about them um, having to deal with those we those implications of, of weather you know we've been in that position here in the U.S. I do feel for them um, but it's a lot of pressure on global soybean supplies and what's available what could be available when could it be available so there's been a pause or a slowdown of planting um, I, I mentioned this in some other um, commentary that Brazil typically offers beans to the world in February and they've actually backed those off and not put any real offers out there till March here in the last two or three weeks. They kind of changed that offering. Um, so when you go and you look at, can we get beans out of Brazil in February? Right now, the answer is well, not really sure. And to be safe, they're offering them in March. So that gives us an extra month to be a supplier if we're the U.S. I have all sorts of arguments for why maybe we don't want to be in the U.S. just because of our own domestic usage and needs right now. But this is a this is a very big concern. Uh, weather down there is going to become a huge concern um, as we get through mid-November. That's kind of critical time. We got to see some 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 moisture down there in the north and some drying out in the south to really guarantee that the crop is going to be decent at this point. Well, especially when we've seen the the lack, and I know we'll talk more about this second half, but the lack of export opportunities for the states, it's, it's kind of sad to say that one man's uh, trouble could be another man's benefit. It, yeah, you know, you typically tend to think that, and it, I, you know, I think that's a fair assumption. It'll be very interesting to see how much we can actually capitalize on that, given where our own stocks sit. And what the drive in the, um, you know, the soy oil, the soy bio world, like what does that development and continued usage and demand look like? Um, right now, if everything stays as is and, and keeps on in the trajectory that we're positioned to be in, uh, we don't have a lot of room for wiggle room in our own stocks if we're going to fulfill some of those um, those future biofuel needs. All right, more is coming up. It's the Channel Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids is combining with Channel and the other nine regional brands to become the new enhanced Channel Seed brand. So what does that mean for you? Well, for starters, a best of both worlds product portfolio as both brands come together in 2025. Also, greater local agronomic support and more innovation and digital tools. Contact your local Fontenelle and Channel Seed professionals today for the best discounts. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the channel. Final bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Heather Ramsey. Heather, of course, is with the ARC group. And during the commercial break, um, I had a question I was thinking about. And then you brought it up in topic about the what ifs for South America. What happens if they don't get this crop in in a timely fashion? And you said we've got like a 20 day window or they have a 20 day window at this point. Yeah, they, they really need to get that first crop planting done here in the next 20 days so that they have adequate, you know, 
seasonality available uh, to growing a quality first crop. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, northern Brazil um, has less of that seasonal, you know, temperature and moisture changes than what we're used to here in the Midwest. We have four very distinct seasons, or at least three. Um, and, you know, they don't really have that in Brazil. Um, there's a wet season and a dry season. I mean, technically, this is supposed to be wet season and they're not getting the moisture. So they kind of um, run their their planting windows based on when do those seasonalities hit as far as when is moisture prevalent. Um, so they like to have those first crops, you know, planted here um, by mid to late November. Like they need to be in the ground. Things need to be germinating. And whether that's beans, cotton, or corn, that first crop needs to be in. Once you start planting the first crop later than that, A, there's some issues with, you know, are we still going to get enough moisture? Are we going to have enough of that growing window? And B, then we're running out of time to plant a second crop and um, then there's a there's a time period of fallow that's required um, sometime June, July through August, September. Right. So that second crop has to be able to be planted then and be out of the field before that fallow time is required um, by Bra Brazilian you know, agricultural law. So there is a window here where we've got to see this first crop get done so they have time to do that second crop. If they don't, then they'll abandon the second crop potential. I think that is really what you know, the question here is for Brazil is what can this first crop potentially look like? And then how much of the second crop are we reducing at this point? And I think everybody kind of realizes that, you know, that second crop of safrina corn, and that's pretty important uh, to global numbers as well as, I mean, just to Brazil in general. They use a lot of their own corn for, you know, cattle, livestock, that kind of thing. Um, so that's pretty important to have them have that crop. Uh, I also think from a soybean and overall soybean number, you know, we rely on massive crops from Brazil to go into that global soybean supply that, you know, that, that overall number. So if we're going to cut that down again, um, what does that look like from a from an overall stocks number globally? We are definitely, like I mentioned before, you know, U.S. soybean stocks are pretty tight. You know, we've got We've got some supply here, but if the, you know, um, bean processing facilities and biofuel plants continue to come online as projected, that is really going to cut down on those stocks for us. We're not going to have much available to kind of help everybody out with. And so when you look at a food security standpoint, this Brazilian weather could be a pretty big deal here if it doesn't get straightened out in the next 15 to 20 days. Now, we've had <clears throat> September numbers. You and I were also talking about this before we started the program. September sales had some decent yeah. numbers for exports. Not a lot of chatter about it, though. No, really, it's been pretty quiet. Um, we finalized... There was a bunch of revisions that happened late because of some governmental things. Um, and so we had some finalized numbers come out on exports for corn, soybeans, and wheat uh, for September. Uh, I thought those numbers were pretty good. Exported 90.8 million bushels of soybeans, 124 million bushels of corn, and 68 million bushels of wheat during the month of September. This is all of those numbers are higher. Um, excuse me, the corn and the bean numbers are higher than 2022. And they're better, I think, than what everyone was kind of expecting at this point in time. So this this storyline that, you know, corn is, is low because we don't have any exports, I think is kind of um, 
kind of a stretch at this point. We do have exports. Maybe it's not the, you know, gung-ho exports of, you know, 2009 and 10 and, you know, and 18 and 19, you know, all going back in history, right? But when you're looking at rebuilding an export program after having massive global crisis and multiple arenas, um, it takes a little bit of time, you know? So I feel like these September numbers are great indicators of the direction we could be headed here. Um, when you think about, I mentioned global soybean stocks, when you think about global corn stocks, you know, every, it, most houses in the U.S. have a pantry. You want to just go to the pantry and grab your food. Well, the U.S. is literally the largest corn pantry in the world. <laughs> and here we are actually putting forth some exports. I think this is a good sign. If well, lots of great stuff we looked at today, Heather. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, give us a call, uh, 402-484-7474, is, and extension 125 is my direct line. Uh, check us out online at agrisconsulting.net. All right, just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell. It's brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional. Pick this up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe to those free podcasts. And that's today's Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.